It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Tonight's episode is actually a part two from the LeBron James episode that Damo and I did. This conversation lasted an hour and like 45 minutes, so I ended up just cutting it up into a part two, and in this episode, we're going to be discussing Otto Porter and his role on the team, and whether his high efficiency but low usage is to blame on his lack of aggressiveness or the coaching scheme, or maybe on John Wall and Bradley Beal being the alphas. We're also going to look into Scott Brooks and whether he is to blame for Otto Porter's lack of aggressiveness or lack of usage. And then finally, we're going to look into a championship offseason, which involves the acquisition of Kawhi Leonard. So once again, you are listening to the Locked on Wizards podcast. Make sure to follow us at Locked on Wizards. I am Arthur Reynolds. I will be hosting this episode Make sure to follow me at District Mamba. And Damo's Twitter handle is at Damo underscore LXXXV1. Otto Porter. I don't know how to really introduce Otto Porter without saying, you know, there's a lot of math that goes into appreciating Otto Porter. <laughs> Analytics Twitter, to be exact. 
Domo, if you had to tell someone about Otto Porter, how would you sell him? So you don't want to give your honest opinion. You want to sell him. You want to, you are proposing a trade and somebody is like, so what's up with Otto Porter? How would you, how would you explain Otto Porter to the casual NBA fan? My guy, Otto Porter, he's, he's on my, my first team, all analytics. (laughs) Um, Can you actually uh, go over that? Because I I saw that. I think you tweeted that out, and that actually made me laugh really hard for some reason. (laughs) Who is on your first team all analytics? So, I mean, it's it's the guys that when you say their name, the analytics Twitter comes out, and and, and they got the the tiki torches. Uh, So, Otto Porter. You got got Cal Lowry. You got, uh, what's my guy from the Nuggets, the center? Is that Jokic? Jokic. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. I think it was Al Horford. I think it was Al Horford, too. Yeah. I think it was Al Horford, because um, I don't have it right in front of me. But Otto is the probably the, the team captain there, given his, his usage rate. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm selling Otto, I, I say he's a, he has that skill set where you can pretty much plug him into any offense, and he's going to blend right on it. Um, but the issue comes is when he is blending into a fault and he's the highest paid player on your team and you're a, a Wizards franchise that, that hasn't won 50 games in uh, almost 30 years. That's where it becomes an issue. I think he's a great guy. I'm sure he is. For me, I just can't have him as the highest paid player on my favorite team. That, that's my deal. Right. No, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. Personally, I think, you know, it's great that he's a nice guy. He's probably a good, you know, teammate to have. But at the same time, he's the highest played player on the Wizards. And there are nights where he takes six shots a game and he might make five and get his 11, 10 points. But fourth quarter, it's a ghosting act and really blown away by the thoughts about why that happens. Whether it's because Wall is too ball dominant or because Bradley Beal is trying to, you know, establish himself as a ball-handling playmaker. What do you think is going on? Is it a mixture of... Because when Paul Pierce was here, he used to talk about how they would have to rattle Otto Porter, like, literally, like, have to, like, physically, like, shake him to, like, get him to wake up. Do you think it's Otto Porter? Is it the scheme? Is it, you know, Wall and Beal? What What do you think? What is your diagnosis of why Otto Porter is the way he is? I think it's a layered issue. I think, because coming out of the draft, I mean, it, it, no one really said Otto Porter was going to be, you know, Carmelo Anthony or anything as right. a scorer. Yeah. You always saw him as a guy coming out of that, that Georgetown Princeton offense. Um, he, he handled the ball a lot more. I, I know that's something that I, I would have liked to have seen, have seen Scott Brooks incorporate more with Otto's game. Definitely. Having him catch the ball, run the break, instead of always looking for John Wall, I think that that uh, stops a lot of easy bucket opportunities. When we talk about like the fourth quarter and, and then that aggressiveness, I've, I've always said I, I don't think you can teach dog – that's just something you gotta have. That yeah. Auto to me has never had that at Georgetown, and I don't think he's ever gonna have that as a pro. And I think that's something that that holds him back from reaching that potential where he he hits. You know, he's he's well worth that that twenty six million that you're paying him because um, he's just content with standing in the corner and watching Wall and Bill have to carry the load to close games. 
And I just would like to see him just one game demand the ball, cut somebody out, do something. Yeah. Um, but we just don't see it. I don't see it. I never see it. So. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I definitely would love to see that too. I mean, I've I've tweeted several times, like, I just want to see what happens if Bradley, if uh, Bradley Beal, if Otto Porter takes, you know, attempts 10 three-pointers or shoots 25, 27 times. Like, what would happen? Well, how many points would he get? You know, because yeah. he's obviously efficient and he has, like, a pretty good three-point shot. I mean, the percentages are obviously really, really high, but you know, the attempts aren't there to kind of say, hey, if he shoots like 50 times, he's going to make, you know, the exact percentage that he's shooting uh, with his right. low use. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out of the opinion that Otto Porter should demand the second unit and just take care and like carry that second unit. And something right. that you mentioned that I feel like nobody talks about is his lack of ball handling like he he did he was like a somewhat playmaker at georgetown he was responsible for a majority of that offense but here it's like no 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 auto porter don't touch the ball no 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 no. give it to give it to wall give it to beal give it to sato give it to like gortat so you can give it to wall like it's like they're playing hot potato with auto porter and yeah that just doesn't make any sense to me now when i say his ball handling like i'm not expecting him to be Allen iverson with the crossovers but right um he has he has some ability to push the pace and and find guys within the flow of a, a of an offense, but I think the the offense that we run is kind of predicated on your ability in the ISO to be able to run pick and roll, and that's not really Auto's strength at all. His his first step is very limited, and he's not an elite level athlete right. that has strength where he can kind of get around you. So if you want him handling the ball, it needs to be in, in certain spots. Like, like I said, on a break, he can catch it and go. Push the break, get in the lane, find guys, stop and pop for a nice little mid-range or for a three-pointer. But he's got to want to do that. And I don't know that I've seen the necessary will to want to do that. So, Right. I mean, yeah, that, that, that brings up the what, what I'm trying to – get is is it an auto porter thing is it a coaching thing is it a scheme thing because i i i don't i don't know i personally thought when wall went down like oh man like this is auto porter's chance like obviously it was going right. to be bradley beal's time to shine that that was like the automatic because that's beal's personality he's going to be like this is my team now like i'm the alpha like walls out i gotta carry it like i knew beal was going to do all that but Otto right. Porter, they, there were some good games, but at the same time, it, when Wall came back, it reverted back to what we've seen. He has an NBA Finals appearance, but there should be an asterisk because two of those players, that team was stacked, and yeah. at, at this point, there's like three MVPs on there, like two official ones, and then, you know, uh, Yeah, Harden I mean, I'm, comes I'm hoping Brooks can kind of take a page out of, out of uh, Dwayne Casey's book, I mean, even though it got him fired, but... Oh, and and right. just kind of reinvent himself as far as how he he incorporates the offense and, and deploys it, man. It's got to be more ball movement. It can't just be pick and roll, two man game, and driving kick like, like that. That's yeah. it, man. Like he he's got to do more than that. And yeah, I'm I'm hoping he does it. I mean, he's got plenty of time. He got a long contract. I think he got three more, four more years left on his deal. So. I think the season upcoming it would be three years left. Three years. And yes. a lot of money. Three years left on this deal. Yeah. yeah. So 
Hopefully yeah. he can find some ways to, and especially with Brad, he is an amazing player off the ball. You can get him. You can run some of these same sets that Golden State runs for Clay Thompson. Yep. You can run those for Beal. Yep. But I don't know why he he does some he does it sometimes, and then other times he gives the ball to Beal at the top of the key and wants to use him like he's James Harden. I right. don't understand why he does that, but yeah. I mean, that, that's where I say, like, he's basically plugging in, like, oh, instead of Russell Westbrook, it's going to be John Wall. Instead of Kevin Durant, it's going to be Bradley Beal. But they're not right. those players. <laughs> they're not those guys. Because <laughs> when I watch Golden State, every single time I say, why can't the Wizards run what they do for Clay Thompson for Bradley Beal? I just don't understand. They're basically the same player in terms of, yeah. like, their ability to shoot. Why does one, you know, it, it, it has to do with scheme, honestly. But I would actually be interested to hear what you think about Scott Brooks because when I look at the Wizards, I look at a team that is playing a scheme and is being coached by a, by a coach that was responsible for two of, for some of the last couple MVPs in the league that could easily dominate on any night. And isn't adapting to what he has in D.C., which is completely different. I personally don't think that Wall or Beal, I I guess I would put Beal ahead of Wall, but Wall or Beal, I would not give them a ball and say, get me a bucket or like, get me, you know, three points. It's more of a a schematic thing, unless it's a fast break in terms of half court offense. We've struggled for years. In fact, probably for Wall's entire tenure here, we've struggled in the half court. If it wasn't for players like, you know, Nene, who like completely, you know, took a, took us on his back against the Bulls, you know, a few years ago at this point, or like Paul Pierce, who like was hitting bucket after bucket after bucket. We've always had a player that's kind of covered this deficiency. And right. what do you think is going on with Brooks? Like, what is he doing? What, what, what are you seeing from your point of view? I mean, I think Brooks is like a lot of other coaches that are in the NBA now. I mean, the majority majority of them, to me, are very basic and non-innovative. Everybody's running the same stuff. It's pick and roll. It's two-man game handoffs. Or it's just drive and kick, find a three-point shooter. Like, that's literally most, I, I would say, probably 90% of the NBA coaches. And I just think Scott Bush kind of falls right into that group. The ones that differentiate themselves, your your Brad Stevens, your Brad Stevens, your your Popovich, those guys actually run sets. It's ball movement. The, you know, it's eight passes every time down, eight plus okay. passes every time down. Yeah. Um, where you watching them and you see them get backdoor layups or wide open shots. I don't even know yeah. the last time the Wizards made a backdoor layup, to be honest. Yeah, it's like uh, even watching like. Cleveland, like they get no easy buckets, and you and you see that with the Wizards, like they give the ball to Wall and they say, "Here, man, take us to the promised land." And I mean, Wall is great, but he ain't LeBron, and so it is just not a formula that I think with this cast and crew you have that's going to get you anywhere beyond the second round. You need to be Scott Brooks needs to be more creative. I think he's a master player developer off off the court, as far as building relationships with players. Um, that camaraderie, but as far as his X's and O's, he leaves a lot to be desired for me. So, and that's and like I said, that's for a lot of coaches. Yeah, it's for a lot of coaches in the league to me. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I I don't know where you stand on this, and this is getting a little bit off topic, but I've always been a proponent of 
having someone, you know, when Walt just first started out and he was like known for his speed and all that, like I was always like, man, we should get Mike D'Antoni because I can't imagine what it would be like to have Wall with a coach that, you know, makes his point guards, you know, the stars of the league, basically. I mean, obviously, right. uh, D'Antoni has had some incredible talent at point guard, but some of it can be credited to coaching as well. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's something that I hope um, fixes, although I don't know, you know, if it's something that can change i feel like once you're once you're an mba coach like you know is there really a lot of growth that you do it's kind of like you got you have a system that got you to where you are next damo and i talk about damo's ideal offseason the moves that he would make as gm including trades and free agent signings the ideal offseason for the wizards this season i'm gonna give you the uh the breaking news that the Washington Wizards have finally fired Ernie Grunfeld as GM <laughs> and have hired Hallelujah. Wizards Twitter fan uh, <laughs> at Domo LXXXV1. So, right. Domo, what is going to be your ideal offseason? Ted Leonsis is still super, super high on the Capitals winning their first Stanley Cup, and he says, get me a championship this season. What are your moves? Wow. Wow. Get one this season? Okay. Get I mean, one within the next two years. Exactly. Two years. The next two years. Okay. Well, then we got we to gotta go big then. Um, I, I guess I'll throw out a trade that I – I mean, well, let me let me start with this. I gotta, we got to get rid of the dead weight first. Right. So uh, immediately I am going to stretch Ian Mahin. So we're going to take his – I think he has two years remaining at mil, 33 yeah. mil. Yeah, it's something ridiculous. So we're going to take that and stretch it over four or five years. I think you can do it. You double the years on it. That'll save us about six, seven million a year on the cap. I'm doing that. That's the first move I'm doing. Get him the hell out of town. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I'm, I'm making this trade because we're talking about winning the title within the next two years. If, if that Kawhi Leonard situation... Um, doesn't get smoothed out. I'm taking the gamble, and I'm putting Otto, Ubre, and Sadoransky for the Spurs to send us back Kawhi Leonard and Patty Mills. And if you put it in the trade machine, it works financially. Um, I think it's a situation that works for both teams because the Spurs would be obviously getting uh, a guy like Otto Porter, who's a shooter, you can plug him into that that system that Popovich runs. Ubre, another guy, wing player, wing league. Sadoransky, who I've always seen as a Spurs type player, just he just never hurts you. Um, plays defense. He's fundamentally sound. He's a guy that would work perfectly in that in that point guard rotation uh, with Dejon Murray over there. And then for the Wizards, I mean, it's obvious what what a Kawhi Leonard type player would do for us. There's your big three. Wall, Bill, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you, you have somebody that can actually guard the elite wings of this league um, and get you 25 a night in addition to what Bill does, in addition to what Wall does. Um, and then you got Patty Mills, who would be the best backup point guard John Wall has ever <laughs> had by far. Yep. So I, I think that in itself would, would put you in that 
in that title talk uh, conversation. Um, and then as far as the subsequent parts, I mean, it's depending on how much cap you have, uh, I actually like the idea of maybe keeping Gortat, but as a reserve big, not a starter. And then I think you look at a guy like Nerlens Noel that you can bring in on a, a, a one-year prove-it deal um, and you plug him in as your starting center. I think you keep Keith Morris because his contract is so good for what he he brings to the table. I know a lot of people kind of go back and forth on what his value really is. But I think at $8 million a year, man, for a guy that's, that's a, a 12 to 14 point per game uh, stretch four, sometimes even five, I think that's I think that's one of your best deals that you have on the team. So I think you keep him. And then I would try to go after a guy like Jamal Crawford. Uh, six man, bring him in. Uh, last hoorah, because, I mean, he's the ageist wonder, but right. I don't know how many years left he, he has to play, but you have a legit six-man, a back a reserve backcourt of Eddie Mills, Jamal Crawford. You can do a lot worse than that. Resign Mike Scott. Yeah, I would resign Mike Scott. That's your reserve four. Now, as far as the reserve small forward spot, that's where we get a little tricky. I would have to I would have to do a little more digging to see who would be on the on the waiver wire on the on the block there to to, to pick up. Um, but I don't really think it would need to be somebody of of high dollar amount because right. Kawhi Leonard is going to be playing thirty six plus minutes a night for you. Yeah. Uh, At that you know, point, well, you you kind of hope for like some G League luck or plug and play, yeah. like some second round draft picks or something like that. Yeah, second round pick, or maybe Devin Robinson, one of those guys, uh, shows you something. But like I said, it would your main rotation would be off the bench would be Patty Mills, Jamal Crawford, Gortat, and uh, Mike Scott. Gortat, no more than ten minutes, but he at least be in the rotation. Right. Um, Regular season, yeah, especially. Yeah, those those that would be what I would try to do if we're talking about winning a title, because I just don't think. The, the 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 medium three we got right now is is, is the answer. You got to go get you a big three, and I think Kawhi Leonard would definitely do that for us. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, yeah. I mean, I uh, it's funny some of the things that you said. I've I also believe I I look at Thomas Sadoransky as one of the key pieces in that trade to acquire Kawhi Leonard if we have a snowball's chance, which I think we do. I mean, we have we have options. It's not like we're giving them you know. A bunch of prospects. We're giving them one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. We're giving them some young talent in the wing position that everyone wants right now. And we're giving them basically a point guard that is tailor-made for the Spurs system. Like the point yes. guard of the future. And yeah. for the only for the San Antonio Spurs, could Thomas Sadoransky be like the point guard of the future? Like that he could hold down that spot for the rest of his career. So yeah. I, I, I don't I don't see why it would be rejected. I mean, like you mentioned, like the, the salaries work, all that stuff works. It's just a matter of, do the Wizards want to go for it? And, you know, I, we're going to touch on one last topic here before we uh, we wrap up this episode. But a lot of this depends on LeBron James. And in my opinion, if he... If he goes west, you know, let's just say in this in this in this hypothetical, he goes west. 
the East is wide open. And you have to look at these type of moves where you're taking risks. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard is not, you know, just off a an NBA Finals championship where he won MVP and, you know, just dominated that series. But he's also somebody that's done it. So it's there. There's no question oh, yeah. about it. There's just something that happened with the Spurs. You know, whatever ends up coming out will, you know, shine some more light to it. But right now, everything's speculation. So LeBron goes west. If you're the Wizards, like, you can't... The fan base is not going to be content if the exact same starting five comes back. And, you know, worst case scenario, we lose Mike Scott because of his price. And, you know, another year of Jody Meeks. So... It's just, there's not a lot to look forward to, but if you do a move like that, where you acquire one of the top small forwards in the NBA, an NBA Finals champion and MVP, this gets the Wizards right back on the map. You know, obviously we'll have to see what the Celtics do when they get um, Hayward and Kyrie back for an entire year. Um, The Raptors, I'm sorry, even though we lost to them this year, (laughs) they do not scare me at all. They no. just had more bodies than we did. Um, you know, game one is still annoying that we lost. Uh, you know, game three and four, I really thought the Wizards had a chance. But it, it was just a depth thing. Like, even Kyle Lowry and yeah. DeRozan talked about how how many minutes Wall had to play, how many minutes Beal had to play. Like, they yep. shouldn't Once be again, playing that. Bitten by the depth bug. Once right. Again. <laughs> right. And that'll be it for tonight's episode of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Thank you for joining me. I am your host at District Mamba. My name is Arthur Reynolds, and I was joined today by Damo at Damo underscore LXXXV1. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and check us out on iTunes. Subscribe, write a review. We love checking those out, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.